Hello, we're Gail and Claire, co-founders of Peopletopia. Welcome to our podcast, Brilliant Bosses. Peopletopia was set up with a very simple principle. No one deserves a rubbish boss. Having experienced this ourselves, we know what a difference it makes to employ productivity, well-being, and ultimately, company profitability. We'll talk about our experiences of brilliant bosses and the things that they do well, with loads of takeaways to help you to get the best from the people that you work with. We will tell you some theory about the topics that we cover, but mostly we'll be giving you practical hints and tips that you can take away to help you to be brilliant. Welcome to our Brilliant Bosses podcast with Peopletopia. I'm Gail and I'm here with Claire and our subject today is I'm a leader. How the heck do I find the time to do everything? It's a question that we're asked time and time again, or in fact, a frustration that people share with us time and time again. There just doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day to fit in all the stuff that needs fitting in. So what's the answer? Is there a magic bullet when it comes to finding time? Sadly, no. Uh, That's the short answer. But there are lots of things that you can do that will help you to be much more effective when it comes to managing your time and your priorities. So I think, first of all, we need to ask ourselves why it's such a problem. I think that's a great question to start with. Um, There is loads of information available around the term time management, but I'm not sure that time management itself is a very helpful term. I'm going to start with some stats, though. Uh, We always like to start with a few stats. Um, According to some research by the Development Academy and by Clockify, they tell us that only 20% of people feel in control of their work every day and an amazing 28% of people feel that their work is never under control. The average person spends six hours, 58 minutes online every day. And of that, three hours, 43 minutes is spent on smartphones. Now, I recognise a lot of you will be going, oh, but it's work, I'm doing stuff for work. And some of it will be really important tasks. You might be doing your online food shop or whatever. Um, But I think it's really important to ask yourself how much of that time is wasted time. So as a side note, only 30% of internet users report that they're using their smartphone for business related research. So where's the rest of that nearly four hours going? Office workers spend an average of two hours a day browsing through their email box. Now, I don't mean two hours a day answering emails, constructing helpful replies, considering what they need to say to people. I mean, two hours popping into their email box, checking if anything news arrived, reading something they've already read because they forgot to action it, reading junk mail, stuff that they should never have been copied in on in the first place. Just two hours looking at email. Um, And then finally, 26% of work ends up being done outside of office hours, which I think is quite a depressing statistic. That's potentially impacting our relationships, our social life, our family time. So why is a quarter of our work not capable of being done within our office hours? That all sounds a bit gloomy, but there is some good news. And the good news is that there are loads and loads of techniques that you can use that are going to help to make you more effective and help you to make sure that you're prioritising what really matters. And we will talk about those in a minute. So you mentioned that you're not sure that time management is a helpful phrase. And I really agree. We recently watched that fantastic TED talk by Laura Vanderkam on taking control of your free time. She highlights that we consider ourselves too busy to do things, but we really are too busy. 
That's right. She says that in your average week, if you spend 56 hours sleeping, so that's eight hours a night, not eight hours looking at your smartphone in bed when you should be sleeping, but if you spend 56 hours sleeping and 40 hours at work, and yes, I know a lot of you spend more than 40 hours at work, but with those stats, there's still 72 hours a week left to do with what you wish. I'm not sure where my 72 hours goes, if I'm completely honest. Same. That's the problem, is that we just need to be a bit more aware about how we're spending that time. She gives a great example. She says, I may consider myself too busy to mop the kitchen floor, but if I was offered 10 grand in cash to do it, I would definitely find the time. So it's more a case of not wanting to do these things then. Yeah, it kind of is. Um, I think that the cash would certainly make mopping the kitchen floor somewhat more attractive and it would definitely give me a great reason to do it. But that example actually shows us just how important prioritising is. You know, 10 grand would push that straight to the top of priority uh, of our priorities for most of us. Um, she also gives a really good example, which I think a lot of us can relate to. A friend who's so incredibly busy, can't possibly find five minutes to squeeze anything else in, a packed day, and her water heater breaks. So she had to go and sort that out. And it took seven hours to various phone calls, letting in tradespeople, sourcing parts, et cetera, et cetera. She didn't magic up another seven hours. Suddenly something became top priority and she had she found the time to do it. So as soon as we realise something's top priority, we will find the time for it. So how do we do that, Claire? How do we prioritise more effectively? Well, I'm hoping that it's not the water heater breaking that becomes our top priority but there are lots of tricks and tips that will help you to understand prioritizing now one of the best used or most uh, um, most frequently used and considered the most successful ways of prioritizing is the eisenhower matrix you might know it's the time management matrix um, Stephen Covey refers to it in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So it's sometimes referred to as Covey's Matrix. 100% um, of people surveyed who began to use this said that it made them feel that their work was under control four or five days a week. Now, when you think back to those original stats of 28% of people saying their work was never under control, we've now got 100% of people saying four or five days a week they're in control. So it's definitely effective. Um, you can read a lot about that technique in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits, if you haven't read it yet. But in a nutshell, what Covey tells us to do is divide up our tasks rated on urgency and importance. So we ask ourselves, is this urgent? Yes or no. Is this important? Yes or no. And that gives you four quadrants. Um, when you do this, you realise how much of the stuff that you do is unimportant and just how much of your time you spend on stuff that you really can't class as important. So you'll also see how much important stuff gets overlooked because it's not urgent. We naturally spend our time and effort on those things that are urgent. It's like having alarm bells ringing that we can't ignore, emails pinging, phone ringing. What Kobe suggests is that we should actually focus on those things that are important but not urgent. Because the urgent stuff will get done. We always manage to fit that in. 
absolutely like the broken water heater it was absolutely top priority and you know this is why we say if you need to focus switch your phone off because a ringing phone is like an alarm bell sounding it's almost impossible to ignore the same as people standing at your desk waiting to interrupt you it's almost impossible well it's just rude to ignore them I guess um but there are ways of managing those kind of interruptions um Covey talks about the importance of those things that are important but not urgent and he refers to the things that fit into that quadrant or that quadrant itself as the quadrant of quality and leadership so it's where things like personal development go have you ever seen that slip down a list of priorities or long-term objectives go again they slip down the list of, of um, priorities don't they and um, anything like prevention and planning all sit within that quadrant so they are quality to what we what we do um, without doing them we end up with more stuff in urgent because more stuff goes wrong but it's hard to prioritize it so he says that's where your key focus should go so when we're talking about prioritizing make sure you know what goes in that quadrant what's important but not urgent that you should have a long-term focus on we often hear from employees don't we about managers and leaders who maybe cancel one-to-ones because something more urgent comes up and if you think about it in terms of that matrix, Claire, and what we're saying is those one-to-ones and that relationship building needs to go in that quadrant of quality and leadership. So one-to-ones aren't moved and you're not sending employees the message that something's more important than they are. I love yeah. that. It's an absolute bugbear of, of mine and many people's is that me- that subtle message that you send when you shift things like team meetings uh, and one-to-ones and occasionally the roof has blown off and you do have to do that but it should absolutely be the exception you and I both know managers who will book in their one-to-ones for the year and every month they'll slip Um, you know and that's where you end up with a workforce of people who've barely had a one-to-one in six months and it's what that tells your employees about how important they are to you yeah and your priorities brilliant what else can we do to prioritise effectively, Claire? There's a really simple thing that Kobe talks about in relation to this, actually. And he says you need to know what your big yes is. Um, so what is that number one most important thing for you to achieve today or this week or this month or this year? What is it that you're trying to do? And if you don't know that, it becomes really hard to say no to the other stuff. It can't, becomes really hard to say no to the ringing phone and the interruptions. Um, so know what your big yes is. And then you can say no to the less important things. OK, so we now know how to work out our priorities by using the matrix, by working out what our big yes is. How do we fit them in and make sure that we're not wasting our time? Mm. There are hundreds of different different techniques. And again, it's a case of working out what ones work for you. So which ones are the most effective for you? But I'll share a couple that I think really work. Um, the first one is really simple. A lot of us use our online calendars or our email calendars um, just for booking in meetings. That's all that's in there or for indicating whether we're at work or on holiday. But I think it's really important to use that calendar to book in time for specific tasks. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is because it makes you think about how long you need to spend on something. Two, you give yourself a bit of a time limit. If you book in an hour and a half slot to do something, the likelihood is you'll get it done in an hour and a half. 
if you give yourself a day, the likelihood is it'll take you a day. So book in time. The other thing that it really helps with is it shows other people that that time is allocated. So they stop seeing your calendar as just an empty space, a free for all, book what you want and take what you want from me. So it really helps in those three ways. Um, it, it, it's kind of giving you a deadline and, and showing that your time is valuable and accounted for. I love that. And interestingly, Clara, I had a couple of managers on a course last week who were saying that they absolutely live and die by that. They look at what's important in their diaries or look at what's important in the matrix and they will schedule it in their diaries to make sure that time is protected. And if people try and move a meeting or put a meeting over it, it's protected and they kick back and refuse the meeting and reschedule it for another time because that is their critical time to do the really important stuff. Mm. I love that. We shared I think, a great... I was going to say, it's, it's about seeing your time as precious as well. Yeah. It's it's not just this free-for-all. And you talking about protecting it there, I think it's really, really important. And so few people do it. We shared a great tip from um, Warren Rutland the other day on this. For him, he talked about identifying what his values are and what was important. And he said his family are his top priority. So any time for them, whether it be appointments, school visits, children's sports, children's sports days, it gets put in his calendar in red pen and everything else gets put in in pencil. I love that. It's so brilliantly simple and it says everything. It's a reminder to you that that's your number one priority and that can't be moved. Um, it's it's reflecting what's most important to me. So it smacks of my values and it talks about my priorities. And lots of people use color coding really successfully in their um, online diaries. But it's such a brilliantly simple technique. Brilliant. So are there any other tips or techniques that we can share? Um, I'm a big fan of a technique called the Pomodoro technique, which is based on those. It's called the Pomodoro technique because of those tomato timers that you may well have had in your kitchen or have seen elsewhere in your kitchen, uh, in other people's kitchens. You can find loads of information about the Pomodoro online. There are even apps to help you follow the Pomodoro technique. But basically what you do is you divide up your time into manageable time slots. So I might set a timer for 25 minutes, which by the way is the optimum amount of time for, for, for key focus. Um, I'm gonna set a timer for 25 minutes. I'm gonna switch off my email notifications. I'm going to silence my phone. I may even take my smartwatch off so I still don't know that my phone is ringing. Um, and I'm gonna focus on one important thing for 25 minutes. And at the end of that 25 minutes, I am going to take a two or three minute break and then I'm going to repeat the process and I might go back to the same task or I might do something different. Um, it works because it gives me a, a manageable amount of time to really, really focus in. It gives me a manageable amount of time to eliminate distractions because I can always check in with people afterwards. I can check my emails afterwards but it also gives me a deadline focus. So when I can feel that deadline creeping, I'm gonna be much, much more effective. I'm gonna be much more focused and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna work in a, in a more intense way. Um, I, I personally find that a really useful tool. Um, the other tip with that one is to say to your team that that's what you're doing. I really need to focus in on this for an hour or so. Does anybody need me first? you're sending two subtle messages there. You're saying, I really need to concentrate. Please give me that space. But you're also saying, I am here if you need me. Either speak to me now or in an hour. So it's a really good way of both managing in potential interruptions, 
but giving yourself that focus time. And now you mentioned that, Claire, I can see times when you've done that with me when you've told me that you're going to be working on something for focus time. So I can see you putting into practice what you're talking about. Yeah, I, use about this that, one too. <laughs> I use this one too, not necessarily for everything, but when I need some time to focus and it really helps me be much more productive. I work more efficiently because there's no distractions and I have a deadline looming. So I switch off all distractions, switch off email turn the phone off and put it where I can't hear it vibrating and then really focus, Might zip, then zip and get a quick cup of tea and come back and do more focus Pomodoro if I need to. But it does really work. I think it's a great technique. Mm, I mean, and people worry about emails piling up, but you slot in, it, it's, it's use 25 minutes to check your emails, you know, manage that time as well. So that's not creeping into being two hours of your working day. Yeah. Um, so I love that one. The other technique that I found really useful is eat the frog. Um, it comes from the book, Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. And in the book, he says that Mark Twain said, if you had to eat a live frog every single day, the best time to do it would be first thing in the morning. And it makes complete sense. So think of your most unappealing task as being your frog. For a lot of people, what we tend to do is we put it off, we dread it, we procrastinate, and it just becomes less and less appealing as the day goes on. Our frog grows ever more ugly for every minute that time passes. So if we can get into the habit of um, first thing we do, frog down the hatch, pick the biggest, ugliest, least appealing frog first of all, do that task and get it out of the way. There are several reasons why this can be effective. Firstly, um, it means that that horrid task is done and out of the way. Secondly, um, those kind of tasks, we can build them up into something much worse than they really are. Um, and thirdly, we feel great when we've done something that we've been dreading. It's done. I've ticked it off the list. And you can carry that sense of energy and that that raised mood through to the next task that you do um, and throughout the day. So eat your frog would be a really great technique for a lot of people. I love that one. And that really resonates with me, what you've said. Sometimes I leave it and I can go all day and it's hanging over you really sort of ominously. And you're in the back of your mind, you know, you've got to do it. And then you get to the end of the day and you've run out of inspiration and motivation and then you try and do it. And mm. actually, it can be a real slog at that point. But sometimes you think, you know what, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to yeah. be. And I yeah. just wish that I'd done it at the start of the day to save that cloud hanging over you. So I love that. And it's also, it's when you've got more energy, you know, first thing before your mind's full of 101 different things that need doing, do it when you can focus and you can be at your most efficient. Um, so kind of pick your moment carefully. As you say, when you try and approach it at quarter to five and you're shattered from a difficult day, you're never going to be able to give it your best. No, absolutely. Brilliant. So Claire, let's just look at our one minute be brilliant summary. Number one that you talked about, know your priorities and use something like a prioritizing matrix to understand what's most important to you. Number two, know your big yes, your number one priority, because that then empowers you to say no to other things and to really focus on what's truly important. Use your calendar to plan in set amount of time for specific tasks. So don't just use it for meetings and out of office. Use it to plan in those tasks that need to be done. Use red pen for top priority if you're using a paper calendar or color code it if you're using an electronic one. 
And then, as you said, Claire, tip number five, use the Pomodoro for times when you really need to focus. Focused 25 minute sprints throughout your day. And number six, eat your frog for breakfast every morning. Do it first. Take on the high that that gives you and you will whiz through the rest of your day with very little effort, knowing you've done the worst thing that you need to do that day. Fantastic. That is a brilliant summary. Brilliant. So if you'd like another reminder of those Be Brilliant tips, you can find a downloadable version on our website. You'll also find us on LinkedIn with regular posts about all things leadership and management. So do follow Peopletopia on LinkedIn. We offer a range of programmes for existing and aspiring leaders and managers. So do let us know if you'd like to find out more. And you can find out any information on our website, Peopletopia or LinkedIn. And do please join us next month for another brilliant Bosses podcast. You should now be able to say with confidence, I'm a leader. I'm brilliant at effective working. Mm -hmm.